Case number 22-5200, Gerald Morgan versus Board of Professional Responsibility of the Supreme Court of Tennessee at all. Arguments not to exceed 15 minutes per side. Mr. Blackburn, you may proceed for the appellant. Thank you. Good morning, Your Honors. May it please the court, Gary Blackburn of the Tennessee Bar. Uh, to my left is my client, Knox, a, a Nashville attorney, Mr. Gerald Morgan. Uh, we have uh, asked for three minutes for rebuttal. Very well. Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the court, uh, <clears throat> this case <clears throat> involves the question of whether the act of termination of Mr. <clears throat> Morgan in the complete absence of any charges against him related to his conduct as a member of the staff of the judicial of the uh, Board of Professional Responsibility is an administrative function or a judicial function. And it's our position that under the uh, law of uh, the Supreme Court, Butts versus Economo, not sure our East Tennessee tongue can get that out, but you know the what I'm talking you know what about. case you're talking about. Yes. Um, and the uh, Gacero versus Brody case from this circuit, uh, this, uh, the ruling of the trial court that this was a judicial act uh, was in error and the case should be remanded for that purpose. Um, <clears throat> of course, since this was on a Rule 12 motion, the facts are all stated in the complaint. Uh, briefly, uh, we have a Board of Professional Responsibility which was formed by state law in the Tennessee Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, then uh, employs the, um, the uh, chief counsel, in this case, Ms. Garrett. The chief counsel has administrative authority over the assistance. Um, <clears throat> this is an authority uh, that has been clearly held in the Cusero case as administrative in nature. Um, what occurred here was is that uh, we have different levels of prosecution of these of these uh, cases involving attorney misconduct. Um, in this instance, Mr. Manukian, the lawyer, uh, was charged and had a hearing before a panel of appointed uh, lawyers. Mr. Um, Morgan did not participate in that. His responsibility with the board was to handle appeals. There are two steps in this appeal, potentially. One is a person roughly similar in um, position to a senior status judge uh, is appointed to hear the matter. That's where this was. Uh, Mr. Morgan had not done anything in this case. He, he just commenced upon it. Now, once it passes that stage with Judge Acri, it would go to the Supreme Court for a hearing. If we have any quarrels about what is happening then, that would be clearly within the judicial function. It would be things that happened directly in that case uh, as it proceeded. Um, what happened here was that Mr. Manukian, who uh, has uh, a checkered record, who's not permitted today to practice law in Tennessee, had a history of threatening uh, judges and opposing counsel and their families, in addition to some other things. Um, I can make whatever statement I believe about Mr. Manukian, which I don't state maliciously, but factually, because we here are protected by the judicial function and various uh, immunities associated with that. But the fact is, is that Mr. Manukian is a clever man, and he's also mendacious. 
and his record shows that. Um, Mr. Manukian um, remarried uh, at some point, and his wife, who happens to be an attorney, uh, he says is uh, Islamic. Mr. Manukian then said he and that he intended to raise their daughter as a Muslim, which of course he has every right to do. Well, following up his pattern for many years of attacking opposing counsel, he then finds and submits uh, to uh, Judge Acri uh, posts made by Mr. Morgan at a time when he was not counsel for the state, he was in private practice, uh, comments that he had an absolute First Amendment right to make. Specifically, he had uh, posted things in the... Let me ask you, counsel, um, yes, if, if we agree with you on that, uh, this um, dismissal based on absolute qualified judicial immunity was not correct, are you saying we should go ahead and address the qualified immunity arguments uh, on appeal? Yes, Your Honor, and I, I realize the reach of that, and I, I appreciate Your Honor's question, because we debated that, talked about it some extensively before putting it into our brief. The problem is, is that we think that what occurred here was clearly wrong, and uh, if this case is remanded on that basis, then the next thing we will face will be um, a motion to dismiss based upon qualified immunity. All of the facts necessary to determine that are already before the court because this is determined based upon the allegations of the of the complaint. It was was qualified immunity raised um, below. Um, you're saying the facts are all in the record, but was it raised as a defense? I believe it was raised below, Your Honor. That's my recollection, but it was not mentioned by Judge Crenshaw in his ruling. Well, right, because he went with judicial immunity or quasi-judicial immunity. Correct. So it's not been raised. Now, uh, that having been said, I fully acknowledge that this court's not obligated to rule on that issue because of that. Um, Let me I ask you a question in that regard. When, when you say that all the facts are in the record, because this is a Rule 12 um, issue, oftentimes a Pinkerton analysis, which is what the court would have to undertake, requires the a little bit more facts. Uh, you yes. believe, though, that there are enough facts in the record for the court to make that complete analysis? Yes, Your Honor. In fact, uh, there were cases discussed in the trial briefs, in the briefs in the trial court, uh, touching on those uh, analyses. Uh, one case that was cited against us, for example, had to do with a, an employee of the city of Nashville, the metropolitan government. She uh, worked for the 911 board. Uh, she made uh, comments that included the N-word, included lots of other very offensive things. She created substantial dis. Uh, 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 disruption within the workplace. Uh, there were letters written to uh, the mayor and to others uh, complaining about this. That's one of those factors. Here, Mr. Morgan has never been accused of anything except exercising his First Amendment rights. And there are there is nothing here in this record to suggest that he had any uh, behavior attributed to him that was disruptive in the slightest bit. Um, the, these turn on policy questions to an extent, but I understand the, 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 uh, the, the criteria, meaning that one must 
know that what he or she is doing is in violation of the law to survive a qualified immunity defense what case or cases would you point to to show that it would have been clearly established that he had a first amendment right not to be discharged based on these tweets well the case the Supreme Court case that Judge Davis cited and I think the the Gacero case itself because it makes it very clear that when you have an administrative function as opposed to a judicial function that the that this is not a defense to a termination it's because I believe or respectfully submit that it is clear that this case should be reversed based upon Gacero that should have been as clear to Miss Garrett as it is today the the whole reason now I my wife happens to be a judge so I can assure you I'm very much in favor of judicial immunity however there must be a judicial function being performed we had there is no question here for example that what Mr. Morgan was talking about in 2015 and 16 had to do with positions advocated by then candidate Trump that were the subject of national debate in fact included in the debates with Secretary Clinton he has a right there are very few more protected First Amendment rights than that to comment on matters of public concern involving an election of an office as important as President of the United States Miss Garrett surely would have known that that being let me ask you about the the claims against the that were that were dismissed based on on sovereign immunity 11th amendment yeah yeah what about those claims well you will you will note your honor that we did not seek an order of reinstatement under the circumstances and so the the board took the position that they were excused by the 11th amendment from any action for money damages but what we have sought against the board is injunctive relief going forward and the basis of that is is that injunctive relief are you asking for we're asking that the material involving the basis of his termination which has been used to characterize him falsely as a bigot should be stricken and not published in the future these things are all available online and that's one of the things secondly four months after his termination are his tweets not available online yes I think they would be I'm afraid so so people are going to see it regardless they're going to see that but not the characterization of it because the board had to take a side I think we all recall that that was a debate made in the in the presidential race that what President Trump was doing was evidence of bias against Islamic so what's the material that you're saying should be stricken what does it say well there is first of all four months after his termination he was served with a letter saying that an investigation had been opened involving his conduct he was never told what that was he responded and said I have no notice of this I don't know what you're talking about that was closed it was closed later but it was not a basis for his termination and because it was closed it was mentioned by Judge Crenshaw in his opinion 
and I, I have high regard for Judge Crenshaw. He's a personal friend, but he, he was mistaken respectfully about that. And he, uh, he uh, said that this is one of the basis for the termination, this investigation. Investigation was closed because there was absolutely no evidence of it. And so the dissemination of this kind of information uh, we're asking should be uh, prohibited in the future. We're not seeking money damages against the Board of Professionals. So essentially the letter telling him that it was open and the dismissal, is that what you want to be stricken or taken away? The publishing of charges against him, and we don't know what this investigation revealed because it's never been shared with us. So there may be, perhaps the investigation exonerates him, perhaps it does not. But because of the nature in which the claim was dismissed, we, we've not had an opportunity. Essentially, he's just saying that they should be prohibited from making any use of it or making any reference to it in any format. Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. That's exactly it. I think my time has expired. Thank you. Thank you. May it please the court. I'm David Rudolph of the Tennessee Attorney General's Office. I represent the Appalachian Board of the Professional Responsibility of the Supreme Court of Tennessee and Chief Disciplinary Counsel Sandra Garrett, who's been sued in her individual capacity. Ms. Garrett is in the courtroom today, sitting in the rows back there. Um, the facts in this case are pretty straightforward. Uh, addressing the, the first claim uh, against Chief Disciplinary Counsel Garrett in her individual capacity, the court correctly found that there was absolute immunity under the unique facts in this case. As the trial court noted, it's the nature of the function that's performed, not the identity of the actor. The Chief Disciplinary Counsel in Tennessee supervises disciplinary counsel such as Mr. Morgan who are designated to handle certain disciplinary proceedings. Disciplinary counsel are the face of the board in the public and the courts. Disciplinary counsel are entitled to absolute immunity under Tennessee Supreme Court rules that provide that disciplinary counsel shall be immune from civil suit for any conduct in the course of their official duties. And this court in Monsieur versus Jones, a uh, uh, previous case involving the Chief D Disciplinary Counsel in Tennessee, found that, that, that she was entitled to absolute quasi-judicial immunity for performing her, her official role. Now, in this case, Plaintiff Morton was disciplinary counsel for the board in, in the proceeding involving the attorney named Brian Mnookin. Um, in that proceeding, as Mr. Blackwell mentioned, Mr. Mnookin filed a motion to disqualify Plaintiff as disciplinary counsel based on numerous anti-Muslim Twitter posts by Plaintiff. Uh, plaintiff never denied that he, he authored these anti-Muslim tweets and the motion uh, Mr. Blackburn didn't, didn't attach the motion to disqualify. I tried to add it, which goes to how we, the record, I don't know how developed the record is. I tried to add the motion to disqualify because I think it's important for you to see what the, what the tweet said. Yeah. Let uh, me ask you uh, about that. We were asking about the qualified immunity issue. If we, had, if we reached that, I mean, could we reach that here in this appeal, or do you think it would have to need to be remanded? Frankly, Your Honor, as I say, I tried to, to include those. I did move 
as a third basis before the district court for on qualified immunity. I think under qualified immunity and this court's relatively recent Bennett case, I think uh, Chief Counsel Garrett is entitled to qualified immunity. Yeah, but I recognize we decided that issue whether she's qualified or should, if we get to it. The court, or should we remand it? Court didn't 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 address it, and frankly, I think the, the record needs to be developed. For instance, the trial court in this case, at a subsequent hearing, said he clearly would have granted the motion to disqualify. We never got to the motion to disqualify because Chief, Chief Garrett basically required Mr. Morgan to recuse himself from the case which rendered the motion moot but the what the trial court said he would have, he would have granted he would have disqualified mr morgan which goes to the essence of what this case is about i mean that's her role as chief disciplinary counsel she supervises disciplinary counsel in these proceedings so she had to make a very tough recusal decision in that case and at the same time she got another complaint from another attorney about alleged bias and at that point made the decision that permanent recusal or termination was necessary to protect the integrity of the disciplinary process. Well, you, you characterize it as a recusal issue, but isn't it really just a personnel matter, which is typically an administrative function and not a judicial function? It's not, it, this has elements of both. You ha, it's, not, it's not like you're terminating an employee for absenteeism. This arose out of disciplinary proceedings that were being handled uh, by Mr. Uh, Morgan. It arose out of that. And in her official role as chief disciplinary counsel, she has to make decisions as to whether this person can continue to represent the board in this case. And whether he can continue to, I mean, what case could he, could he represent the board in without getting a, a motion to disqualify based on the tweets? I mean, that's... Well, 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 the decision itself was not made in the context of a particular case. It was after the, this case had ended, right, that the, the Manukin case was over at that point, right, when she made the decision that... To, to terminate his appointment. It was not. It was, was it, still going on when yes. terminating She had to make an immediate pretty much an immediate decision. Took him off the case, right. She took him off the case. He was actually terminated his employment while the Manukin case was still going Correct. on. Correct. Oh, I thought it was after. Okay. No, it's still going on. He was taken off the case. She got another complaint or another proceeding. So but she so at that point, as I say, who could he represent? It, going forward. So the termination in this case was not administrative. It was connected. It arose out of disciplinary, a, actually two disciplinary proceedings. The primary one being where, the, where you have a motion to disqualify. Uh, I usually think of a judicial immunity as being, you know, a litigant or someone out in the general public that's, you know, um, trying to sue the, the actor. Whereas here, this is an internal matter. It's not a someone outside of the office who's. Um, um, I mean, I guess, you, I guess you do have that outside component for for Manukin, but I think what, what makes it, it, it distinct here is you you have a disciplinary proceeding. You know, 
this court has always looked at it in terms of judicial immunity. It's really almost a prosecutorial immunity as well. But, you know, I think the case the court needs to really focus. The Monsieur B. Jones case, what was that about? That about? The what? The Mon you said the Monsieur B. Jones? Basically, the general principle that the chief disciplinary counsel in Tennessee. Okay, but what what did the what was the counsel being sued for in that case? What it arose out of discipline, disciplinary proceedings. Okay, but it wasn't an employee of the uh, in the in the office that was suing. No, like we have here. No, you're right. Or a former employee. But well, what I do think the case that was cited by the court, which I think is a key case, is the Barrett versus Harrington case, Sixth Circuit case from 1997. In that case, the court looked at uh, and stated that recusal is an, undoubtedly an act that concerns judicial decision making and found that acts such as recusal that protect the integrity of the judicial process are judicial in nature and therefore entitled to judicial immunity. But there is a pretty big distinction between recusal and termination. In that case, the judge wrote a letter to prosecutors saying this a disgruntled litigant was harassing her. And the court said, if, he can, if, I, if, I, if we don't stop that, I'm going to have to recuse myself in the future. So the court went on to say, this, is, this doesn't have anything to do with whether somebody wins or loses a case, but it is connected to a judicial proceeding. It's judicial in nature. Here, the acts here are are very similar. Chief Disciplinary Counsel Garrett in her official role as a supervisor of disciplinary counsel is trying to protect the integrity of the disciplinary process. And she made, in essence, recusal decisions. She pulled him off the case in which the dis motion to disqualify was filed and then terminated him based on credible allegations of prejudice that arose out of the disciplinary proceedings. So I think the precedent in Barrett would support saying that in this, under these unique facts, this is in essence recusal. It's acts to protect the integrity of the disciplinary process. Um, and that's why it's not an administrative matter. It's, it's different. And that's what the court in its, in its ruling, in its, its opinion, the trial court said. He cited those cases and said, this is why it's not like the Gerko case. This is why it's not just an administrative matter. And I think he's correct. Everything he said, that this is, in, given the unique nature of what we're dealing with in this case, this, this has enough of the judicial act that it should be protected. She should have absolute immunity for these types of decisions. Could you address the um, expungement issue uh, as far as the records go? Disciplinary processes are strictly confidential. They're, they're not publicly available. There's nothing on the website that... There's absolutely nothing. It was dismissed. There's, no, there's, there's nothing. Okay. But, but you, you do have... There must be internal records about this. Cor correct. Okay. And I think they're maybe asking for those to be... Expunged, right? But, okay, and, and and why doesn't that fall within an ex parte young exception uh, as a remedy? Well, I mean, we go. Actually, there's a threshold. They did not sue Chief Garrett in her official capacity. 
they only sued her in her individual capacity. So you can't raise an ex parte young. You know, but the board, they've also sued the board, correct? They sued the board. The board is immune. You can't, you can't sue the board for injunctive relief. You can sue Sandra Garrett in her official capacity. They didn't do that. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's on its face. Formality, there's not a mention of it being in her official, official capacity. There's not. It, and he's, and, and the, the, the caption is clear and the, that it's in her individual capacity. That, uh, so that claim really, you know, you don't even get to the possible expungement issues, but um, you're, you're trying to expunge something that's already been dismissed. That's not a, that's not a public record. I mean, so I, I uh, but Procedurally, they, they haven't properly brought this claim against the board. But unless the court has other questions, I think we, I mean, we, we think the, the trial court's decision is correct. I think the court needs to go to really study the Barrett decision, of the, which is a published Sixth Circuit decision. And, and under that reasoning, on absolute immunity, find that she is absolutely immune under the law. Thank you. Thank you. May it please the court, one of the items that we're asking to be expunged are these references in Mr. Morgan's personnel file. And those are not privileged. In fact, they have already turned that file over to counsel for Mr. Manukian. Um, that is an essential part of what we were seeking. We, um, what about the fact that you didn't um, name her in her um, official capacity? Well, it's true that we did not use those terms, but we sued her as a state actor, which means that she was acting in her official capacity, else there'd be no jurisdiction under 1983. You have a case uh, saying that you don't have to do that? You don't have to name her in her official capacity? Uh, we have not tried to research that question because uh, we've not discussed it before today, but we'd be glad to do that. Uh, but we also sued the board because the board is the custodian ultimately of all of these records. Uh, we haven't sought any money damages against the, against the board. Uh, I would point out, and the, the name is pronounced, by the way, Monsier. I grew up in East Tennessee, and I know that's an odd, but that's how he pronounces it, Monsier. His, his complaints had to do with the actual performance of the judicial function of the board. He was complaining of due process violations, essentially. So totally distinct from what we're dealing with here. Um, also, um, the slippery slope upon which the board has embarked is best demonstrated by the assertion that these were anti-Muslim uh, comments. These were comments consistent with those being raised by a candidate for president. He was accused of being anti-Muslim because of these comments, and he said, no, I wasn't. This has to do with the protection of the United States from people with a record of violent behavior coming to the United States. I'm not taking a side on that. I'm telling you that is what the debate was. So what's happened here when the board decides to go beyond its official function and interpret four-year-old comments in the context of a political debate is to characterize it, is to choose a side. 
That's the problem with this sort of behavior. That's one of the problems with this sort of behavior. They're choosing a side in a political debate. Um, if they're concerned about their image with the state, uh, they might have taken into account that uh, President Trump carried Tennessee by close to 70% of the vote. Uh, they have involved themselves in politics needlessly. Uh, the uh, statement that there was a complaint made by someone, that is what old lawyers like me call floating a ghost through the courtroom. There never was an actual charge against my client. There never was any hearing. There was nothing he was required to respond to. But it also shows the danger of engaging in this sort of conduct by the board because now they have empowered uh, this lawyer, Manukian, and all others who learn about it to raise some question to exploit what they did. Uh, we uh, respectfully submit that the violation of the law is clear and the case should be remanded. Thank you. Thank you. We will take the case under submission.